welcome to another Making Sense of It with me, Emma Kenny. And me, Peter Smith. How's it going, everyone? Just sending a little bit of positivity and happy vibes as the weather starts to change and we all can convince ourselves that we may get a summer this year, which will in effect last three days around mid-July. And then for the rest of the year, it'll just be drizzling. But unless you live in London, because apparently whenever <laughs> I got the train in London, it seems to be about 35 degrees hotter than in the north. But if you don't live in London and you are like me, a northern individual, you're going to be able to empathise with me when I'm saying that these little bright mornings are little pockets of joy yeah we've already had our summer though yeah yeah we had northwest we had two days two days you did the whole garden didn't you went mental well i didn't do the whole garden i I did i did the the whole garden but i've started to build a path so i've said yes that's the news this week i know that you're sitting there thinking come on how can it get any more exciting how can pete and emma thrill us with even more of their what can only be considered adventurous lifestyles and there you have it is building a path. Yeah, not just any path, not just any path. Not it just is. any path. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> a, it's a, like an M&S advert. It's a challenge path. It's a, it's a windy, raised decking path, and I've never done it before. So if anybody's listening who happens to know how to make windy, raised decking paths, if you could uh, put a little bit of information below, that would be very helpful, wouldn't it? Yes, please. <laughs> so what kind of a week have you been having, my lovely husband, who I hardly ever see? Productive. <laughs> Well, yeah, productive, especially the weekend. God, he starts making a path and then he starts deciding he's productive. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, what have you up to? Um, I've been a garden. And you know what? I've got, I think I've got that age where I'm like gardening. That's, That's mindful practice though. It's informal it mindfulness. It is. Bit of, bit of sort of, yeah, good, good mindfulness it is. Until the point when you start looking at it and thinking, hmm, it's going to beyond mindfulness now and it's problem solving. Yeah, you so. were sat there yesterday for about an hour, didn't you? Just looking, not yesterday, on Sunday, just looking at your phone, like, with a kind of wistful yeah. expression on your face, as if you were going, would somebody just be able to sell me a perfectly stu- yeah, yeah. A perfectly hardy, windy path? That'd yeah. be amazing. What I need is a step-by-step drawing. <laughs> like a wiki, of, wiki know-how yeah, when you visit instead. How to build the, per- the windy path that's in your back garden, Pete. <laughs> Yeah, one of the things that we're going to do this week, because we know that you've all been desperately waiting for this, is we're going to include a link just underneath on our YouTube uh, page, which is going to take you to the little production that my lovely husband and I took part in. Animal Earth! Yes, we went off, as you know, in our saying yes to these types of things. And we did a day filming and they sent it to us yesterday. So yeah. Pete spent half an hour going on about how terrible he was. But genuinely, please remember when you watch it, it's Pete's first time presenting yes. anything I've on never film. Prevent, pre- prevented. I've never <laughs> presented absolutely anything and it was just, um, yeah. Hello, I'm Mr. Wooden. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, welcome to Animal World. <laughs> being Stephen Hawking. <laughs> Oh gosh! <laughs> That's about surprisingly sounded yeah. like. Stephen. I am. Um, I, I am Pete Smith. Well, obviously, to he wasn't moving. Did you see that? I, I even without annoying, I shoehorned in an accent. Well, it's all right. You can do that though, because you are actually trying to do an accent of your interpretation of you during said production. It's brilliant, though. It's funny. Isn't it true that Stephen Hawkins? Could have got a new voice. Could have got a new voice, but, but he didn't, didn't want, want to because it was his signature voice. I mean, it'd be really weird, wouldn't it, to suddenly lose your voice? Yeah, they've gotten really, really modern, <laughs> didn't they? What? What? Oh, I'm not going to do it. Ideally, <laughs> ideally, what, what, what? Stephen Hawkins. <laughs> what Stephen Hawkins when he was a, a, a cockney? 
Stephen Hawkins, oh, not that one. You the one have, down the market on Brick you know, Lane. You know, um, what do you call it? There's two There's two things I'm going to say. There's, there's Wurzel Gummidge where he used to change his heads. Oh, I didn't and like then, that. I yeah, actually, do you know yeah, what? Very right? spooky. I didn't like it. Yeah. I didn't like Wurzel oh. Gummidge. I actually, I did not watch Wurzel Gummidge because he freaked me out. Yeah, it reminded me of like sort of, that, that's why, free, what freaked you know me why? out that, the, uh, Wizard of Oz 2. No, I didn't mind. Oh, oh, I didn't watch Wizard of Oz she took her heads off as well. I never saw that. I've never seen Wizard of Oz 2. She took her heads off the witch out of that and she had different heads. Did she? Yeah. But like, going back to Stephen Hawkins, it could be like, it could have been like that, but with voices. Do you know what? He could though? have had his, his, like a million voices, couldn't he? Well, he could have had, a, he could have been just like a beatbox or whatever. Yeah. Every time he spoke, he had different. Yeah. So he had every, every word in the English language was a different percussion instrument. But he could have had like an Eminem voice or something that was just really fast. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? You could just go mental with it. Or... <laughs> oh, you can just have that one. I'm just thinking my head now. Whenever Stephen Hawkins wanted to prank someone on the phone, it'd have been so easy. <laughs> Yeah, is that you, Stephen? No. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not. not Stephen. Who is it? It's John. <laughs> it's, it's, no, it's you, Stephen. No, it isn't. <laughs> like keyboard in front of him. Hello. Got Mickey Mouse. Hey, pull up. <laughs> you know what I mean? That you could really do that. Sorry, this is rambling on into some ridiculous zone that we're not necessarily prepared to enter even ourselves. But no. this week has been one of those for me. It's been an up and down week. I went to this morning yesterday, which is a lovely treat because I've started at the new studios. It's quite strange going to the new studios because obviously for anybody who's listening in the UK and who may occasionally catch me when you're taking a sickie off work on said this morning or maybe you've got young kids and in those moments where they allow you to do anything apart from serve their needs, you might flick over and I might be there advising the world on what I think you should do with whatever problems. I went down yesterday and it has moved from the South Bank. So the South Bank's kind of like a really happening area in London it's a really buzzy area and whenever we take the kids there we kind of go to the South Bank don't we and we wander we do. around and we do. you know we do all that little touristy stuff but long story short it's not there anymore so it was my first day at BBC Television Centre and again if you're outside of the UK because we know that some people are outside of the UK listening to us we've got the USA we've got Australia we've got New Zealand we're dead excited because people keep getting in touch with us and we're just like oh my god this yes. is so amazing yeah. but um, we I've, looked, I've actually looked at the stats on the iTunes and we've got like sort of Mexico. Mexico! Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is that Mexico? That's Mexico, yeah. Little tiny guitars are massive ones. Out of context, massive sombrero. That's really inappropriate. Sorry, apologies. I know in Mexico. Oh, no, it's not. It's not. When I grew up, we grew up with like the fastest mouse. And Speedy Gonzalez. Speedy Gonzalez, Eddie Beriba. Andale, Andale. He had a massive hat on, so I just associate it with Oh, no, that. I mean, uh, the, the, the Mexican folk do have um, sunburners. I think that a lot of no, I don't. I don't think they walk around every day going yeah, to work and stuff like that. I think more it's like, a, no, it's, not, it's more something they do in restaurants, so just for yeah, fun. I don't think they the genuinely count, walk not, around yeah. in sombreros all the time. And no. there's like boleros and pants and stuff. They look fantastic in them when they play their I own think that's the, the, musical instruments. That's the, uh, what do you call it, isn't it? Oh, we've got a dog underneath the table scratching. No, we have two dogs attacking my feet. Attacking feet, even yeah. better. So anyway, back to what I was saying. We've moved from the South Bank to Television Centre and it's really weird because what's happened is in London, 
there were loads of properties being sold off. It's as simple as that. The real estate in yes. London is insane. It is ridiculously expensive. And even though I love London, I would not move there unless I somehow won the Euro Millions, which is obviously on my mood chart. That's definitely going to happen probably next year or Isn't something. it £6 billion pounds tonight? I don't care. I'm, no. As long as I get over £168 million, that's the vision board. 160, excuse me, £168, £168 million, it is. So. £8 million. Oh, I'll, I'll take it. Okay. 168 or put it on there. anything over 160 we'll say we'll take so even though that's on my mood board I would need to literally win it for me to ever pay a price for London real estate so one of the things that's happened at BBC Television Centre is you might have seen it actually online they've sold off quite a lot of it in real estate and you can buy what I can only describe as a very posh student hall residence really? for about £2 million oh my gosh. and it's a studio flat so that means basically you're sleeping in your living room. You can call it a studio flat. You can call it a studio, whatever. But let me tell you, you're sleeping in your lounge. Yeah. That's you know what, what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say they've the, the, the sold off like the massive studios so you could just have like a massive hall, you know, but then you, you came up with a little tiny studio. You never went it. to university as in, in halls. So. Oh, I, I visited halls. Right, so it's one of those. I know, yeah, so just a room with a, yeah. They're done really nicely. They look like, as you'd imagine, when they're all done up, they're kind of doing it in quite a retro feel. But the way you deal with it is this, right? So you pay for your flat. Then there are... Areas you can kind of meet and hang out with your mates because obviously your room's too small to have any visitors. And then you can kind of congregate in areas like the cinema room. Right. And they also have a gym, which I was told yesterday. Oh, they have a cinema room? They have a cinema room because, again... With, with it, the latest movies on or I don't know. Otherwise, it's just you in your room watching a TV because there's only one other person you can get in and they have to be intimately related to you because at the end of the day, you don't want to be that close to just a mate. Yeah. So they've got the cinema room. They've got sitting areas. They've got a library, which all sounds lovely. But then imagine yourself, you're a 52-year-old investment banker who earns a considerable amount of money, so you can spend £2 million, and you're living in a place yeah. where you sleep in the living room, and then you're meeting your mates at the cinema in your building. That is not... I wonder if people who can afford that amount of money, they'll just be having it as a pad where they go and stay when they're working, and then go and stay out of London. When I don't think I a lot no. of people are living there. Wow. But imagine that's what London living is. Nah. That's when you've arrived. What can we do with that? That's where people are like, man, you know what I mean? You're next to Westfield Shopping Centre. My God, we'd be millionaires, billionaires if we took our house down London. Is there any way oh. we can like buy a plot of land and just up brick it and just wheel it down? Yeah, we can, but it'll still cost us about £100 million pounds for the plot of land that we need. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, I went down and it was, uh, it was nice. It was a different experience. There's no sunlight in the studio anymore. So that's a bit strange. Yeah, because um, normally the window's open. Right, it? but it's a proper studio. But Philip and Holly loved it. The staff are as amazing as ever. And it was great. But it's kind of weird. It's a culture shock. You know, when you kind of change... I am one of those people that I like to sound adventurous and spontaneous. But really, I'm just quite habitual and I like mm. my things to just... Isn't the it like... So when the walk is, isn't like all the BBC staff, like the arch nemesis of like the ITV, like giving them the eyes Yeah, hidden corners, just staring yeah. at you from the sides. And you walk in and it's like, oh, he's the ITV lot. Breathing heavily as you... Yeah. <laughs> Can't believe we've had to rent one of our studios out to the ITV. Yeah, lots. no, sadly enough, they're not like that. They're all very nice. I know. But there's a cafe and everything, but it's quite weird. When you're used to having a very specific environment... <laughs> Sorry, I just, had, I just had the Anchorman scene in my head, you know, where the different teams come together. <laughs> oh, no, here comes the This Morning team. Oh, my God, there's the BBC One Show team. 
Isn't the one show filmed in Manchester? No. No. Oh, there you go. Then you know they all congregate. My God, it's like Channel Five. Yeah, when you said in the cafe area, you know they all come in and it's you know. Yeah. Sorry. I'd have been totally stood behind. Holly and Phil with a future gun. Oh man, yeah, Philip Schofield have it. He'd Absolutely. be like, you know, he's, he's done everything. He's... Philip Schofield, do you know what though? Philip Schofield is a proper mindful person. So he uses headspace all the time, not because he's got anything wrong with him, he's, as far as he doesn't suffer from any mental illness or any mental health issues at the moment. I'm sure he will have at some point and will maybe in some time in the future. But he uses headspace right. because he said it just makes him feel so positive. And I thought, you know what? That is such a healthy habit. Yeah, it is. And I keep saying to myself, I practice mindfulness all the time. Like Sometimes I'll just sit in here, won't I? Yeah. And I'll just be quiet, you know, or I'll just not really be registering conversation. And it's generally because I'm just trying to reframe things and think about where I am and think about where I'm going. But he does that every day. And I've spoken to quite a lot of celebrities recently who genuinely use mindful practice every single day. And it's one of those things that I think you get used to in life buzzwords and I'm always a little bit afraid when something gets to be called a buzzword because when you say to somebody have you practiced mindfulness what will often happen is they'll automatically assume that you're either trying to therapize them or you're suggesting that maybe they need it which is another one which everyone needs mindful practice by the way but more importantly it's almost like it diffuses the importance of it because it's like oh mm. bloody hell mindfulness it's a bit like when everyone no, went yeah. crazy on green smoothies and then realize that actually they hate liquidized celery it's that kind of thing that you think there is a good. stigma attached to it isn't there no, yeah. I've, I've, I've come across that myself mm. I think I think when you explain it that's why you're good because people like yourself explain these things you know well yes because like the people who hate me I'm just speaking totally common just, sense yeah yeah it's just talking sense that would be my anchorman type line Emma Kelly common sense <laughs> they call me common sense Emma why the human torch was denied a bank loan <laughs> So anyway, yeah, I went down and it was really good. But yeah, speaking to people at the moment about mindful practice, it's like, yeah, people just need to do more mindful practice. I agree. I really Including myself, that. I think I need to. I mean, I, I think... I You're quite a mindful person. Yeah, I am, yeah, but I think... Um, Sometimes nice I feel like to... I have to slap you across the face to make you think about anything today. <laughs> yeah, she does, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's not go into any of those. You are kind of a light. Wake up in the morning. Brand new day! Off you oh, go. Every morning's a bloody Disney film for me. Honestly. You know, I do feel like that. I'm telling you, sometimes from my past, I'm sure I keep seeing little Disney birds floating in. All I need to do now is train a broom to clean up the kids and stuff, and that'll uh, that'll be great. But you are that dum, kind of person. Dum, 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 dum. What's it like yeah. to be that kind of person? Oh, because I'm quite dour. <laughs> that would be a, an appropriate term for me. I think I've come to the point where in my life where I just if I if I I've whinged and moaned that much and been angry quite a lot. Not saying that I've been an angry person in my life, but I, you know, I have my moments, and I think <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> um, the, the, you know, I, I don't want to die young yet. I don't want to have a heart attack. Yeah, I, I give myself a heart attack, and I just think if I get up and I'm just like, right, okay, it might take me a few. Well, hours you to get were there. responsible for your father's heart attack at 42. I was. I caused it. You did. You caused it. You have been accused, and that has been categorised as your fault. Yes. Because that's normal, isn't it? What we should do in life is make sure our children feel abject horror at the impact they've had. And yours is, you're basically nearly a murderer. Yeah. It was nearly, nearly murder, but now it was yeah. just attempted murder. It was, I mean, it was the fact that when he had the heart attack, I was actually over him with, with, with a claw hammer. Like, that was it. Beating him to death. You know, that's, that's what they mean. It was nothing to do with the heart attack. It was me beating him into death and putting poisonous spiders in his bed, pouring that, boiling oil over his head. On a serious note, though, like, how does that sit with you when you look back because when I was a kid 
my gran, God rest her soul, my grandma Boland. So I've talked about this before. And I know that you're dead interested. <laughs> I know that everyone, well. everyone's sitting there going, God, please will Emma talk today about Grandma Bolton and Grandma Taylor. I'm yeah. absolutely desperate to hear about it. But Grandma Bolton and Grandma Taylor. So I told you, I had one slate to form my Grandma Taylor, I had one till 95. God rest her soul, my Grandma Bolton. Well, my Grandma Bolton, she was widowed. Well, they were both widowed. My Grandma Taylor was widowed at 53, young. Mm, and my, young. Yeah, my Grandma Bolton was widowed when she was 60. My grand was 64. So that's a very young age. When you think about the fact that my mum and dad are in the 70s now and they're fit as anything. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's a young age. But back in the day, you know how it was when we were kids, like anybody over the age of 33, were pretty much dead. If you made it to like 50, you thought, God, that's a good innings, you know. Yeah. So if, only... if the old Victorian, the old back end of the Victorian um, diseases didn't get here, the old <laughs> rickets and the trench that's right. foot. Yeah, yeah. You, you just, you literally hit 40 and then you wore old fashioned glasses oh, yeah. and you had your hair cut short in a perm. That's yeah. the way it I worked. Said, when Even I were then, a kid. Yeah. So I used to like refer to my grandma and I'd be like, in the olden days, in the olden days, I genuinely, in my head, like there were horses rolling down the street. I mean, they probably were back in my grandma's day, but you know, that was where I envisaged Oh yeah, without it. a doubt. Yeah, so she... 1842. Lost my granddad at 60. And the consequence of that was we were very, very close. Some would say overly close. Some would say incredibly fused and codependent family. But we always have been. So from that moment onwards, I used to go, as you know, on a Tuesday afternoon. That was my thing after school, just because she fed me loads of great food. And uh, I was also introduced to fromage frais by my grandma at 14. It's an unusual thing to say, but we were quite habitual in the so food. So smooth yoghurt. Delicious. All I'm going to say, it was delicious. I don't get yoghurt with bits in. Sorry. It but... wasn't. It was completely smooth. No, no, I just don't it. was cheese as well. From her face, cheesy yoghurt. Yeah. But it's delicious. Anyway, like I, div- like I, I digress. I digress into my tastings of the 80s. And <laughs> I went to... So she would... I would go there. And on a Thursday, and on a Sunday, then she'd come to our house. On a Thursday, she'd get the bus up because she never drove my gram. It was back in the day when women didn't. My mum drove, but only for a bit, and then never drove again. So my mum wasn't, wasn't for 60 years. <laughs> like, she could still legally drive, which is something I debate being allowed. Yeah, but my mum didn't drive, yeah. even though she could. Yeah, yeah. so weird. What yeah. were women doing back then? Anyway, whatever. So my grandma would come on a Thursday. Now, I would like to say that it was peaceful at the house where I lived when I was growing up, but unfortunately, me and my sister lived there. And my sister and I, we butted heads, shall we say, loudly a lot of our lives when we were younger. So my grandma would arrive and sometimes she would arrive just after we'd maybe been home from school for maybe 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. And by that point, me and my sister would have found quite a few things to have argued about. And often she would walk in to us screaming at each other. Sometimes Alexia would throw things. She would take it to a whole new level and... My grandma would walk in and she'd do two things. She'd walk into the kitchen where we'd probably be arguing and my mum would just be over my mum's head. My mum never shouted at us, never argued with us. She'd just kind of let us be. And my mum, she'd go, you are going to send your mum to an early grave. You're going to send her. I don't know why she suddenly got a really strong accent. I think it might be Yorkshire. Oh, I don't even think yeah, it's Lancashire. Yeah, yeah, that's, well, that's, I, that's, uh, a, she's uh, crossed uh, the border there, uh, love. Why? Well, you're going to send your mum down is, to the pub with some pigeons. My grandma didn't even talk it. like that. Because uh, she's from up from Yorkshire, like. <gasps> I don't actually know how she used to talk. But anyway, oh, she... What was that? That was like a... I don't know. Like, that I'm was like a George's Marvellous Medicine grandma talk. all over the country now. I, know, honest, <laughs> I think I sound a bit more like, I don't know, like Burnley. I think Burnley. That's... Yeah, that's... I think like, that's more Burnley, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I won't get it. So it's more Lancashire, anyway. Anyway, it's more Lancashire. So anyway, my grandma... was Yorkshire. 
Yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. So my grandma would walk in and say that we were going to kill. We were going to send send your mum and dad to an early grave. When they drop dead, it'll be Ooh. your fault. And then she'd walk down yeah. the path. She'd obviously come back because my dad would give her a lift home late, late, later so she'd never get the bus back. But the point is, that saying at the time was pretty terrifying. And I can look back and I can say, genuinely... That kind of mental language is pretty crap for kids. Don't get me wrong. It was my grand, so it never really mattered because I knew that she was just being dramatic. But you were told (laughs) you are responsible. I'm glad they didn't say it beforehand. It was only afterwards, you know, like a few months ago. But it was you. And your granddad hated you. What? (laughs) I know. It's another thing. What? I didn't know this. Was I that non-compass that... (laughs) I didn't realise that everybody hit. And your brother's what? a favourite. Yeah, and a brother's a favourite. My older brother wants to be a single child, still. <laughs> so I think he's plotting to murder me. <clears throat> I don't know what I've done wrong. Maybe I'm just an arsehole. What do you, what do you think, though, when you look back at that? <laughs> I don't really care. It I've, must have um, bothered you. I've, uh, I, not, I don't You know what? I'd have been devastated. Um... You know, I've lived by myself since I was 16, so you just sort of get used to not being liked liked much, you know. <laughs> Only about people like me. I get on with people. I've got friends, you know what I mean? I don't really, the people that hate me or anything, there's nothing. I don't think no. one or two, maybe he's... You don't think that's affected you and like affected you as a human things, being? Uh, a little bit, probably. Attachment issues. <laughs> a bit needy now, you know. Mm. Need me cuddles. You do need your cuddles. Need me strokes. So I've got loads of animals because I'm not very good at them sometimes. Yeah. Even though one's biting me at the moment. Yeah, it's a funny one though, isn't it, with mental language? Because I do think that when I, I feel angry that you've been told that it affects me. I don't know whether it doesn't affect you. I can't. Maybe I, I need you to know let what? that go I, I because I can't, I can't. I can't let things like that affect me anymore because you've just got to get on with life. You know, there's there's things affecting people. But it people. would affect you if I wasn't in your life, yeah, surely. Yeah, I reckon, yeah, I reckon I'd be, um, yeah. Because your response is to just make my mum and dad your mum and dad. Yes, I have, yeah. Well, your mum and dad are really cool. My mum and dad are cool, but they just don't really see me. <laughs> I think that like, I'm out of sight, out of mind. No, out of mind, out of sight, but yeah, out of sight, Oh out my of mind. God, you love your parents. I'm not saying that. I don't have a bad word to say about them as far yeah. as my relationship with them. They're the kindest people in the world to me, but the point yeah. is that it, does make me feel affected because I look at the way that they treat you versus other people and I feel that that's unfair. Yeah, it is. But, you know, you've got to look at it in the biggest, bigger picture, haven't you? I've yeah, got to, I've I got to, you know, because there's people out there that, that, that mums and dads haven't wanted to know them since they were tiny babies and, you know what I mean? So I can't really, you know, they're, they're there in my life, but they don't, they've got priorities of, in their priorities, they prefer other people. You know, yeah. Um, At the end of the day, I don't think I mean, I wasn't a bad lad growing up. I wasn't in, you know, I did, I did, I did uh, things which weren't the norm. Um, what this? I've got a dog in my. <laughs> yeah, for those of you who aren't watching, who are watching us on YouTube, you'll get the fact that Pete's currently getting attacked by a very small dog. But for uh, anybody who's listening, the reason he's kind of making strange noises is yeah, genuinely just, he's having his fingers gnawed yeah, off. He's, 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 he's more like a fox. He's like <laughs> a small ginger fox. He's gorgeous. Um, it's a, it's, a, it's interesting though because I think like baggage wise, I look back and I think I don't even know. I was out with a friend the other day, and one of the things that I've been trying to do and say yes to is creating friendships because when Pam died, so for those of you who haven't listened to this podcast before and might just have randomly found it and be wondering what on earth is she talking about? Old ladies and 
best friends who've died. But my best friend died last year and uh, it was a big wrench and is something that I'm still processing. But the consequence of that was it started to make me analyse my life, really. And one of the things that I've analysed and realised is that I just don't have any strong female friends. That's one of the things that has Mm. been a really kind of big awakener for me. And I have talked about this before, but I have started to reach out. And like I've said... Once you realise that you reach out, very few people reject you, actually. It's just the way that humans are. I think that we forget that. But you go through school and you kind of have your mates. And I had quite a bad time at school, me. Mm. I'm not going to deny that. I've struggled hugely. um, And I struggled with my mental health. And I definitely struggled with my physical well-being. I got really sick. And part of that was I just didn't feel like I belonged and that was no disrespect to the girls. I went to an all-girls school. They were actually dead nice to me most of the time. You know, I didn't get bullied or... I think people tried to bully me sometimes, but I'm not very bullyable. I'm not one of those people. I'll just pick a physical feature of you that I don't like, exaggerate it in my head and then laugh at you in my head. And that's the way I've always worked. But I went out with one of the girls that I've reconnected with and she's really lovely. And we were kind of mates for a while at school. And then whatever, your mates fall out with the other mates. And then all of a sudden you don't speak to them. And I didn't even know she'd got excluded from our school. That was how little connection I was with the school. She actually got thrown out. Yeah, I didn't know. So I didn't know. She was there all the way through. And then she disappeared in the first year of college when we were in the sixth form. I didn't even know she'd been thrown out. That was because I didn't go. So I'd stopped connecting. But I thought she was there all the way through. So... We were kind of having a conversation and she was saying about my mum. And she was just going, your mum terrified me. Like she terrified everyone. She was horrible to you. And that's her memory of my mum. Her memory of my mother was everything I did, I was criticised for. (laughs) Everything that went on between us, there was a negative. Now, it's so weird because my mum, if she was sat here today would happily own the fact that she and I did not get on when I was growing up. Oh, yeah, up. yeah. She, she loved me. She loved me. I didn't necessarily always feel that because when you're arguing with people all the time and they're disappointed with you, shall we say, to some degree, you find it difficult to see it. But I knew, you know, if I was upset, I just wanted to go home. And I've always been like that. I say that to you now. One of the reasons I think I've got mental well-being is because mm. I can always think to myself, I can go home if everything goes wrong. And yeah. it kind of is a real foundation for me. But... She saw all this negative stuff about my mum and I was thinking about how you reinvent relationships because when I think about my mother now, she is one of the best human beings I know. She's one of my best friends and she is undoubtedly my biggest advocate. She will sing my praises. I'm the only person I know who can go to a shop my mum's been to and they know more about my life than I do because my mum tells everybody she is universally proud of me and she's proud of everything she's not just proud about the stuff that I've managed in the media she's proud of me and it's funny because I never looking back thought about the impact of my childhood versus the impact of my adulthood but if I think and I'm honest about that reflection actually I had a really tumultuous relationship with my mum and I carried quite a lot of baggage from that relationship until I got to about 23 and when I was 23 and I was still dealing with my mental illness, really, at that point, if I'm honest. And 23, I was working abroad. I was working in France. And I suggested that they come over. It was like the first time I'd probably connected with one. I'd lived away from before that. I'd been on a commune. I'd lived away in Swansea. And it was one of those things where she had come and visit me a few times in Swansea. And we had argued, but we'd always had a laugh as well. So it was like, there was definitely an ebbing to our yeah, yeah. relationship <clears throat> becoming less fractious. It was becoming less fractious. And 
she came out with my dad to France and she stayed in Bayeux and I was looking after her accommodation and I was speaking French because back in the day I had uh, managed to create quite a few conversations using a very minimal amount of words and looking like I understood quite a lot which then my parents now consider that I'm fluent. If ever I'm, you meet me and you're French, I'm not. But they were so proud of the fact that at first I was running a campsite there and secondly I'd organised a travel and I'd organised a hotel and we kind of had this time together and then I went away and I went off to Bali and Indonesia and all over Australia and all the places I visited and really if I'm dead honest I can kind of draw a line under our relationship pre and our relationship post that yeah and she started writing to me on one page of airplane paper the air paper that you could fold into an envelope and you send it you'd buy it as a, you get a stamp and you send it it was meant that you could do it first class it was cheap and the last one I got in Bali, it was 18 sides of A4. And it's funny because I wonder, looking back, if I hadn't had that almost complete break between being present and being, you know, absent, the absence to some degree lent itself to a completely different relationship. And then, of course, I had children and she became my main carer for my kids when I was at work. Yeah. And now I look back and I think I just don't feel any sadness about my past I don't look back at my childhood and think anything apart from the fact that it was fractious at times it was troubled at times but for the most part it was brilliant yeah. for the most part I was just dead safe you know and it's a weird transition but I feel like I had that transition because of what I feel was our therapy with each other me and my mum I think we're writing yeah. to each other was you haven't had that and if anything for me yours has become more Obvious. Yeah, I mean, I felt safe when I was a kid. You know, like, as when I was a little kid and I was playing, I felt, you know, we had good Christmases. It was a great I feel upbringing. like you had a brilliant childhood. Yeah, but I did, yeah, and it's gone the other way. That's what I mean. So yeah. I think you talk absolutely lovingly about going to the cinemas with your mum. That was your yeah, special treat. Yeah, Regent Cinema Red Car. And getting all your little toys and just absolutely loving your Star Wars and yeah. always feeling that you had that. <clears> and then... What happened, it feels like to me, is you started smoking cannabis when you were a teenager and taking drugs. Oh, it, it, it went, <laughs> yeah. Um, senior school, uh, the, first, the first few though, years, the first few years is fine. But I, you see, as I've mentioned before on the other podcasts, I was into, I was, I was quite different. I liked to try everything. So I was quite academic in, so in, for the first three years of senior school, I was quite academic, but I was also quite artistic, so like that. Like doing my art stuff. You go to then, science club. But then I'd like go and do the, the the science clubs. I was a foot. I was in the football team. I was sometimes quite a lot the captain of the football team. Um, I was good at athletics, which I still do all my sports and stuff like that. I was a good football, you know. And but I, 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 it wasn't just that, and that was it. I'd do the science clubs. I'd go off and do weird science competitions. I was in the art clubs. I was. He calls me his weird science girl. It, it, absolutely, I was. <laughs> You are Sometimes Kelly, find him wearing a bra on his head. You are my Kelly LeBron. Reinvent it. No, trying to get two more of her. Oh, oh. <laughs> hey, oh, oh. Um, uh, yeah. So I was. That would be terrible. It would be one of us would be in a bad mood all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not thinking about it in that way. Um, <laughs> terrible. Oh no, because then I'd just be analysing my own body the whole time. Imagine that. Imagine me with another two of me. I oh, well, I'd, I'd keep you all separate. <laughs> But then it's just hey, like... Hey, I'm, I'm Mr. Misogynistic. But then just like... <laughs> you stay there. You stay over there and you're upstairs. And then blindfold you. then 
That's weird. That's going weird. Really weird. weird. Hey, incest. That would just be, I don't think it'd be incest if it's the same clone. I think like the same person in that weird science. There's some form of it. It'll be some weird form of. Oh, I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works. <laughs> Identical twins it would be. Well, I'm not. I'm just a clone with weird science myself. The three of me. Anyway, I'm locked in a room separate yeah. to my other two. Anyway, it's not going to happen. And this is what I'm bringing to the point, which is, well, that would just be the same as having just one of me. Because if I'm in different rooms, yeah, your plan's rubbish. Yeah. Oh, but if, if we were all together, it'd just be a complete. Oh, you don't suit that top, Emma. Have <laughs> <laughs> you put some weight hey, on? How are we doing, Em? I'm all right. Let's have a couple, uh, I'll chat around. I'm still there yeah. thinking this is not what it's supposed to go oh, down. Oh, we'd all just be sat in the kitchen going, <laughs> yeah. "Oh my god, it's so much fun hanging out yeah. with you." Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? I'm yeah. all right, you. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just stood there going, this isn't how it's supposed no, to be no, going it's down. To be. And then we'd be like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go away, Peter. You know, you are annoying you us. Ruin the tomato sauce. Get out. Yeah. My gosh. Go I forgot what we were talking about now. That's it. So when I was at school, I was, I even did like, you know, the, the leads in the plays and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, we did. And he likes to make up massive, then, exaggerated tales of these things. Like, you know, I became Peter Pan. I had to learn the whole script in like four minutes and then go on stage. No, that was Aladdin. Or whatever. And I sang in front of like 45,000 people when it's actually in the town hall. It's a big town hall. And um, <clears throat> yeah, I think it was, got, I got a third year and a lot of, you know, where I lived, <clears throat> it was a lot, of, there was a lot of, you know, no beds, uh, and um, <coughs> which me. I don't really do much with the lives now. <laughs> um, oh, well, success is the biggest revenge. Well, I yeah, say that to so everyone. Fucking, success yeah, is the biggest revenge. Um, and um, I just, you know, my mum had moved to a, a really good place. Moved out of the area, which uh, which was a nice area, but there was still a lot of uh, council estates. Which is nothing wrong with council estates, but at the time it was there was a lot of people that came from the council estates that were nightmares, you know. The type of people that are just, just walking on the street and they'd walk past you and your mates and then just come over and just, just beat the shit out of you. Like, but to a proper, proper, like, put to the point of seeing kids booted in the head, you know, proper old school, proper violence, you know. Yeah, what's happening? I know we were yeah. kids, man, you know. We were Back kids. in the day, there was a lot of that. 70s and 80s well, and 90s, there was a lot of fighting. I can remember. Yeah. We'll come back, by the way, in a minute to yeah, your childhood because right. we were looking at the differentiation between childhood versus adolescence for you and how good it used to be, but then how it became a bit of an issue. But the thing about the 80s and 90s, I remember every Friday night it kicked off in our pub. Oh, every there was Friday proper, night yeah. it was just normal. No, the police never came. Yeah, no. It was just like pick yourself up and your jaw yeah. off the floor. And like the get noises, you could remember the noises oh, of like you know like cracks. slaps and the yeah. cracks and the you know people are knocked out. Yeah, and the, um, oh, and the, the you know the you know when somebody gets banged into a yeah, wall and then yeah. they're coming off it. I can remember those moments. Really traumatic. You know what? I wonder. I wonder. I'm just I'm going to put a little theory out there. Maybe we're just all tougher. <laughs> Because I had a good few kickings, me, you know, like, because I, I was always, I wouldn't back down and I got, I've been slapped about. I got knocked out a good few times, still got up, didn't end up in hospital. I think one of the I'm things all right as now. well that's changed though, and certainly in my area when I was growing up, where we lived was quite working class. It was a nice area, but mm. if you had a car, you could afford a house there, if that made sense, because it was quite cheap because it was on the outskirts. Nowadays, because of the motorway links, right, I can't afford a house where my parents live. Yeah. So automatically the type of people growing up there are a slightly different group of people. My breed, when we were growing, we were all working class kids. Yeah. All my mates, don't get me wrong, they can buy and sell me most of my mates. They all went into trades. Yeah, yeah. Plumbers, electricians, a lot of them, joiners, one of them, scrap. millionaires, a couple of them, right? But every single one of them, you know, you gave them the wrong look, you'd end up getting yeah. banged. Nowadays, you go in that pub, don't get me wrong, they're all still there, bless them, yeah. but they don't fight now, obviously, they're all grown up men and yeah. they're all older. But, that 
changes the type of breed. You know, it's like Berry yeah. Grammar where I went to school. Did you have physical fights in the corridors often? Absolutely not. Yeah. But would A, it's, back in the day, absolutely. Yeah. It's funny because when I moved to Saltburn, um, it's, we're talking about that now. There's been an issue. It was brought up in the Commons, actually, uh, the week about Saltburn. There was, uh, there's people coming in from the outside and, uh, I mean, causing a load of shit. I mean, literally. I mean, so when we... It's weird, right? Because when I was growing up in Saltburn, all the sort of the peers of around, around the sort of five-year age group, you know, all knew each other. Some people didn't hang around with each other, but there was a big core of, of lads who didn't really infight that much and they were really, really protective over Saltburn, you know? So anybody came in, uh, there'd be levels of, like, hardness of people within Saltburn, you know? And it'd be like, you know people would start causing trouble but it was like they were protecting the you know even though they lived in Saltburn and hung around the square and did stuff you know drugs and whatever you know what I mean the usual sort of young people stuff that you know you get into if one of the main of, memories that I yeah. remember of you describing regarding Saltburn was when somebody decided to pick a fight with you and regretted it and there was a minibus involved oh yeah yeah that was yeah that was that was fun there was yeah it was fun but you know like the, your dad the, got involved with that one the full family yeah. all the family yeah not what you expect a group of smiths to turn up for no it was mum's <laughs> 50th birthday so and they're all sort of they're all like Scottish of all the fights to pick with yeah. all the people all Glaswegian men they all got Glaswegian roots or Glaswegian so they all just piled in too many buses and came but yeah um but nowadays it's it's these kids are coming in and and, and the cause and no one's stopping them no one's there to stop them coming in and smashing up the gaff. I mean, like, properly smashing up the gaff, like, ripping flowers. I mean, just burning things down and trashing and, and, and causing, like, you know... Uh, I saw, like, a taste of it, when I, I, you know, before I moved away, sort of thing. Um, but I knew you feel that kind of having no threat from locals getting involved. Well, I just think, you know, but I, I see some of the... I mean, I think all the, all the lads who I knew, they'd be, you know, if they were... If, if it was back then, they, they would, they would, I guarantee it wouldn't have happened, you know. But that was then. This is, you know, times change and people use weapons and all sorts of stuff. Like Violence doesn't cause stall of well. anything, I know that. Yeah, but, it's but just... one of the things is the police don't come out. Well, that's the, the big is, thing. The that is, is the big thing. The police thing. don't come out. You, yeah. know, you get your house robbed now, police can't come yeah. out. You get your car nicked, report it to your insurance. You get into a road crash, report to insurance. So, like, you get into situations where, don't get me wrong, there's no disrespect to the police at all, you know, although I may have had my run-ins with a few over the years. Yeah. But nonetheless... I do know that it's because they're busy. They're weighed yeah. under all of that bloody paperwork. I, I, I agree. Is, I think they need, why I think they need... are they not putting coppers on the street and getting them called out to places so that innocent people who need to be protected are getting mm. the right kind of protection? Terrifies me. Terrifies yeah. me. I do. We pay our taxes, and I'd, I'd, I'd love to see more bobbies on the beat. Yeah. I'd love to see the old school bobbies just on the beat. You know, with the tit heads on their head. You know what I mean? Yeah. The boobats, the, the big long. You know, proper old school. But that's what you used to do. You know, you. Yeah. You know. So is that what happened to you? Then you went to Saltburn and then it just all went downhill? Because it went uh, uphill. Or I'm, or I'm, it went downhill. It uh, went uphill if, when you got there. As it, it went uphill when happy. I got Yeah, I felt really happy. I got to a, a really good bunch bullied, of friends. You started yeah. getting brilliant people, but then it went uh, massively downhill. Oh, and opportunities just... Uh, I went to art college. But no, uh, well, it went downhill. It went downhill within um, a family sort of situation. Yeah, like So you the, traded that experience of feeling excluded for belonging. Yeah. And then that belonging became Yeah, yeah. I don't think my mum was... Were not, shall we say, approved of by your parents. Yeah, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't out burgling or. But they thought like you were on heroin, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, which I wasn't, you know. I mean, um, is he? You know, we it's... were brought up with the we were brought up with yeah. the adverts where the guy was laid down dead in the alley with uh, yeah. the thing out of his Zamo, own. Zamo, yeah, to... just no, say no, no, which is ironic because they were all high when they were doing that video. Um, just say no, yeah. no. Yeah, they're all just on the say, sniff. Just say no. They're all on the old <laughs> sniffle, sniffleberry fin. Um, 
yeah, so, but it was, listen, I was into music, I was into hip hop, I got, you know, I, I was into that before I moved to Saltburn, when I moved there, it was like everybody there was, I mentioned it before on your podcast, that everybody was into graffiti art, music, hip hop. I know, but the point is, and then I started, what I'm like, saying is, what I'm saying is that we know, we know all that, because yeah. you consistently go on about how much you want to defend the local area, then how wonderful everybody <laughs> was, we get that. I'm saying in your family... Yeah. That totally changed the relationship you had. Yeah, yeah. Right. Was, uh, I don't so know your childhood was, a... was happy, but your adolescence was pretty terrible. Yeah, I don't know whether my mum wasn't used to that sort of vibe or... It's just quite ironic, really, because they were brought up in Middlesbrough, which is quite rough, you know. Mm. And, and... But it's about coping strategies and what your family do is just avoid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it's almost like, well, if I can't yeah. see him doing it... Well, see, I've been... Obviously, I've been brought up like that. And, I, and until I met you, that's what I... There's quite a lot of me that used to do that. I used to avoid, um, I think people, a lot of people, if anybody's listening, they'll empathise with the way, it's easier to avoid than it is to, you know, but in the long run. It's a short term solution. Yeah, it's a short term solution, you see. And to avoid I something can't bear without. Avoidance. Yeah, well, this is what I know now. and I think that's know, why I'm, still, I'm good in therapy because I won't have people avoid. Yeah. No, well, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this, the real issue. Yeah. Well, I'm still working on that. I'm still working on, you know. Yeah, you are. You have a hardwired. You have a hardwired avoidance yeah, position. But that's, you know, I can't... Um... Or shift blame position. That's another one. It wasn't yes. me. Yeah. But you stood there it's like with I'm the paint const- in your hand. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't me. Wasn't me. It wasn't me when you copied red handed. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it wasn't me. <laughs> Painting I took Shaggy's words and I put them door. into my yeah. life. Yeah, that's right. He's <laughs> constantly walking around with a little Shaggy in my pocket. Wasn't it wasn't me. It, no, it, it clearly was you because you're here in it. No, 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 no it wasn't, wasn't me. me. I'm not me. Yeah, you've just got to say it in a Shaggy's voice in your head. Wasn't uh, me. You know what I mean, though? I know. You but, are better, definitely. But yeah. then I think that people think I'm a confronter a lot of the time and then they don't like that because people who confront things can be a bit scary. Yeah, but confronting something is... Resolves it. Yeah, Absolutely. Not it's almost immediately, it. but it is like you think to yourself, well, I've confronted that. It's all out in the open now. It's done. You know, it's like when you speak to people who are, who are struggling with things as well, it's, it's speak to people, confront it, speak, talk, you know, get it out there, speak to someone. You are, though, a Disney character when you wake up in the morning, so going back to that initial conversation that sparked this whole dialogue, <laughs> you will wake up in the morning. And you are wonderful in the morning. You're never moody. You're always really nice. And I've gone from being what I would consider years ago so, bit of fact about me, I have a recessive gene that means that I can't hold iron. Iron is necessary for good blood production, but it's also necessary for things like energy and skin and all of that. So I have to have infusions and sometimes, very occasionally, blood transfusions. But for the most part, it's managed by iron infusions. And since that has happened, right, I have useless in the morning. I used to, like, skip out of bed. I used to genuinely love the mornings, right? Now, I... I'm pathetic. And because obviously I have a lovely husband who'll give me an extra hour whilst he gets everything sorted. So I just need to get up when I have to say bye to the kids and do the nice bit. I unfortunately take full responsibility for stealing that as often as possible. But Pete is genuinely the nicest. Exactly. He doesn't mind. He genuinely means he doesn't mind. But then I do take massive advantage of that. But you do have that kind of quality about yourself and it's an enviable quality. It's not one that I can have when we're thinking about mindful practice because you actually do embody mindful practice in the fact that you wake up and it is kind of that groundhog day when it, in a positive way, which is like a la-la. 
here we go. And I'm kind of like, I don't want to get out of bed. And to some degree, you do kind of walk around going, life's wonderful, a great deal, yeah. which is great. But I have to then do the, well, it is wonderful, but only if we keep paying the mortgage because they are actually going to throw <laughs> us out. That kind of thing. So there is a balance, isn't it? Yeah. But I think I go... I am quite a positive person, but it takes work. Whereas you are a positive person. I don't think it takes that much work. That isn't to say you don't have negative feelings because you do sometimes. Yeah. But you genuinely do tend to just deal with feeling very blessed and being grateful. That's what you say all the time, isn't it? Yeah. That you walk around with I think, that. I think um, quite a lot of time that um, I have good dreams as well. You know, I have Unlike these... me last night, I dreamt that oh. I was watching the worst murder ever. And I kept having to look away in my dream. So I need to steal some of that energy from you. Yeah. Well, I have the, I have the, uh, so, I mean, just if you have good dreams, you wake up. I mean, obviously you wake up and you go, oh, that's a bad time. You know, I wish I could just like, I've never been one of those people that like sticks the alarm clock on and then keeps sticking the alarm clock on because I don't see the point in waking up and doing 10 minutes more, stick the alarm clock on, 10 minutes more. Just once you get up and you're done, you're done, aren't you? You know, but yeah, but I like sleep, but I, I like I like dreaming, but I, I always I always have the flying dreams. Of, uh, not as much lately, actually, but when I have a flying dream, and I know I'm doing it, it's bizarre. It's like... Lucid. It's like lucid, yeah, you know. Uh, I mean, I know people practice it, don't a lucid dreaming, and they can, they can do that. You know, I don't know whether I don't know whether they get lucid dream masters or what, but I mean, if sometimes I can. Well, they'd be called masters but, for a start, yeah. as opposed to masters. Oh, here we go again, yeah. It's been, master. It's master. It's not... <laughs> It's like plaster. Like, I don't even need to say it because you've just said it. I'm going to run faster. Yeah, don't say that. Faster. Plaster. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, but I like flying. So, I mean, but I don't dream every night, but I dream quite a lot. So when I wake up and I'm like, oh, that's like, it's like going in another dimension. You know, and as I said in the other podcast, Take my brain well, to another dimension. Yeah, yeah. Take my brain to another dimension. Pays close attention. Anyway. <laughs> Can't tell that's on the iPod in the car. Yeah, what was that? XL2, was it? XL2, was it? Something Great. Like. Good um, track. What do you call it? Yeah, so you wake up, don't you? Especially Feeling happy. You, well, especially if I've been having these dreams lately where it's like I've just been, I'm getting told stuff. Like it's like, hey, this, this is what it's really like in the other dimensions. See, but, I haven't you know, had any more mental dreams where I've been in the most euphoric states, but maybe that's only a once in a lifetime dream. For the most part, it has made me change my perspective, that dream that I had last time. But I definitely need to continue to work on my healthy habits. I think it's weird, isn't it, life? Because you never ever, and I know that this is it, full stop, but you never ever get to a point where you think you've nailed it. Like, I had this moment yesterday where I was coming back from Television Centre and yesterday was really nice in some ways because I did this morning and a lot of times I'll say something and then I'll get loads of negativity on mm. Twitter or Facebook and it's fine because I get more positives than negatives and the way I look at it is people who want to be negative online, that just says something about their own life and I've got to just be compassionate and most of the time I am, sometimes I bite but most of the time I'm compassionate but I don't know, yesterday I just got some really kind comments and some real affirmation that no, you know what, <clears throat> that made sense and <clears throat> excuse me, well obviously it did because it's just common sense but um, it kind of made sense and that they were thankful for it and that I did a good job and I was walking away, I was thinking that's really nice and when is it enough? When do you go, actually you know what I'm enough and mm. I don't think that in my entire life I've ever had a day where I have thought 
I'm enough, you know? I'm not saying that I have self-esteem issues because I, d- I don't, you know, or yeah. confidence issues. I don't really, you know, apart from the obvious ones. But that's one of the reasons when people say about why I married you quickly. And I always say the same, which is that like in a world where I constantly feel like I'm never enough, you've always made me feel like I'm more than. And I think that that really defines good relationships that when you can't seek and find yourself they can help you shine a light on that and even when I'm meeting these women that I'm starting to kind of hang out with and formulate new relationships that's what I'm looking for now that sense of you know how do you benefit me and I think for a long time when you're growing up and you're dealing with life and you're trying to find yourself a lot of it's kind of like what do I have to give you so that you like me back right and so you end up feeling either exhausted or a bit resentful or confused whereas nowadays I look at relationships and like well what are you going to bring to the table because I know what I'm going to bring to the table I'm going to bring loyalty I'm going to bring compassion I'm always going to be able to solve your problems with you I'm absolutely going to be connected and committed what are you giving me And I'm not doing those relationships anymore, which make me question my own vulnerabilities or consider my own criticisms. I don't need that. And so in life, I can kind of see there are these obstacles that I have definitely learned from and barriers that I've put in place to make sure that other people can't use me and make me vulnerable. Because I do like to help people. It's one of my things that makes me feel good. But what am I getting in return? Mm. And to some degree, that's something I can say, yeah, I've nailed that. I mean, it's a work in progress because you're constantly refining it with everybody you meet. But I've nailed it. I've kind of got it. But as far as the waking up one day, standing outside and going, yeah, this is this is it. And is yeah. that the human condition? Because sometimes I'll think, well, maybe if I was living on a beachfront in Malibu, looking out with no money worries, at that point I'd be like, nailed it, right? Don't get me wrong, you know I'm not materialistic. I'm saying, yeah. but when you imagine a position where you might go, yeah, you know, this is it. Yeah, like, yeah I know what you mean. Like, it's like, um, I, I saw a thing the other day uh, from an EDM, so yeah, I don't like that, but the, in America and stuff like that, this EDM um, music producer, only a young lad, but yeah. it's called Zed, uh, and he used, did this like sort of MTV Cribs type-esque thing. You want to start your own, call yourself A. I know, yeah. Then you can collaborate. (laughs) But he's only going, he showed you his house, you know, and it was like... (laughs) Crib. Oh no! It was it was it was. Do you know when you watch that that movie? MTV Cribs. Yeah, no, but when you watch the Facebook with them, not him, whatever it's called. You know where uh, the girl marries the the internet giant, whatever it is. Oh yeah, James Franco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Hashtag me too. Yeah, um, well, it's like that house. This guy has a house like that, very similar to it. Unbelievable, you know. And it's like that is a moment where you could, you could probably turn around and say, "Yeah, I've made it. I've done it." But then, when you've done that and you're already there and you made I mean. that, it's like your human nature for me That's would I mean. be to be like, oh, "What can I do what now? Ex- I need to how do I do help it people next? or yeah. do you know, you know, try and you know figure out, you know, I guess this is what well, you know that I could never buy a house like that because I would find that. Would be. You'd only buy a house like that if you could move loads of people yeah, and make it yeah. into like a, a homeless community centre. I totally centre do that. Or you know. I totally do that. Totally now that'd piss off you. the people in the Hollywood Hills, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm Emma that. Kenny and I'm going to open up a homeless shelter next to you. It's going to be ace. Christopher, Christopher really, Walken. Really, really great food in there. Yeah. But I, don't know if lives there. I would, don't get me wrong, I don't think there's anything wrong with owning massive houses and stuff if that's your bag. I'm just saying that I'd need to kind of balance it because I'd just be thinking I'm being tested. <laughs> I'm being tested. I've got yeah. this thing. I've got this thing in life, right? And it's ridiculous. I know it's ridiculous. That's the thing. I say this and I know what I'm going to say now. 
is ridiculous. Go on then. But I think... <laughs> Here we go. I love this. I think it's brilliant. The shit that I can come out with and the things I've got in my head that make people go, is he off, if he's off, is he off his head? <laughs> well, yeah. I think that this life may be not a test in the biblical context, right? I don't think for one minute the fact that my uncle's gay means he's going to burn in hell. I don't think that because I made decisions over my body during my life that I am going to burn in hell. I don't think that the fact that I might have lied and forgotten to ask for forgiveness means that I'm going to burn in hell because a sin is a sin, right? Yeah. So killing somebody is the same as lying. A sin is a sin. God will forgive you. Simple as that, as long as you mean it. But I don't think like that. I think that this being, this consciousness, like I find it mind-blowing. Yeah. And I think that it's already a test that I got born in the UK yes. to nice parents and that I've got food in my stomach and a roof over my head and I'm not in a country where I'm dictated to or, or murdered because of my beliefs, right? I think that's a test because you've already usurped pretty much 99% of the world and that means you're in this privileged position. So I think that should this be an experience that you choose, let's say my brother believes that this could just all be a manifestation of some kind of extension of being, i.e. a bit like if we're eternal, like so if time has no meaning and bears no reference, i.e. what we know from physics is time doesn't exist. Yeah. Time is, what we know is that, destruction exists the one constant in nature is destruction like we're destroying ourselves every single day we're dying we're dying there's nothing we can do about that but my brother kind of thinks it's like a really that bad game of the sims he doesn't believe it's like as simple as that but almost like if if there's eternity if so if consciousness is eternal eternal then you would want to spend time experiencing different things so his argument would be that maybe this is just something that we can choose to become something that we can kind of dive into. And because life is eternal, it lasts even 200 years would be a blink of an eye yeah. because it's eternal. There is no time. So you go into different it's almost forms like, <clears throat> and different dimensions right. and places and planets and lives right. and areas and thoughts. And it's yeah. all irrelevant yeah. because it doesn't matter if you get because, serially killed. It doesn't yeah. matter if you get horribly abused. It doesn't matter it's because it's all about experience, right? So it has no real meaning. Now, totalitarian-wise, in our experience, it has everything because this is it. But he kind of thinks that. So I think to myself, well, like, if that's the case <clears throat> and it's all about like learning and being, like, you know, surely, and I remember saying this. So no challenges, just learning and being. Because well, a I challenge never, would be, because you could have, I mean, would you have challenges? Because like a challenge is now us trying to make sense of that. Well, what I was or saying trying to, to come up with a theory of... I just think that like the, you know, the least harm, the best good you can do yeah. is ideal. But then everything's on a personal level. So the least harm I could do is by not having kids because I wouldn't have had a carbon footprint or maybe selling my house and giving it all away, but then I wouldn't have a house for children. So like you're always balancing giving yeah. and receiving. So yin and yang. Mm, but I was kind of thinking to myself, you know, so I think like if I won the Euro Millions and I could buy a house like you were talking about then, then that would just be defeating the whole philosophy of what I think being and consciousness is which is to 
almost extract as much knowledge as possible from the world but also to kind of try to reach as many people and in some way if you went and bought yourself a house like that then you're separating yourself first of all so you're saying you're not part of something bigger and people who are more you know needy than you don't get the reserves that you could offer them and I kind of think the more you have the more is expected of you and I don't think that people utilize that and I think that for some reason in my head I just don't want to take my last breath on this earth and know that I have just stolen every resource and I don't mean that people don't provide themselves with the lives that they create you know people you know have money it's as simple as that what I'm saying is I think you're stealing possibility I think you're stealing potential I think you're stealing the potential of goodness and I just kind of don't want to be in that space so for me when I think about being and consciousness and materialism and all those things and you know the classic quote where people go oh well you know they're never they're really poor in that country but they're very spiritually rich and people are like oh yeah so well let's all feel good about that you know they're all they're all poor and starving and dying of cholera and having horrible things but you know they're spiritually rich so they're very very wealthy you know it's very patronizing isn't it? a very yeah. patronizing privileged perspective but what I do know is that when I was living in Bali and they used to have like Padji Padji in the morning and do the blessings, I used to get up at six o'clock every morning because I just used to love the way it worked. You know, I used to love the way that that worked. And you'd smell the incense and you'd see the offerings that basically were ate by the dogs that were stray and that meant they, they stayed alive. They were really fat stray dogs, I'm not mm. going to lie. <laughs> but it was brilliant. You know, there was this kind of like ecosystem occurring. Yeah. And I was thinking then, you know, even those people, you know, giving away food, that's a big deal, but they're doing it because they believe this mind-body connection with the spirit. So I I don't know I've just got this feeling and this focus on the fact that having a lot means that you are owing a lot yeah and I can't imagine I can't imagine that that isn't the way it is I can't it's my belief system but I also I cannot imagine why that would not be the case and that's what freaks me out really about this journey so I think that when it goes back to what we were talking about initially that anticipation of when will I have nailed it I don't think I'm ever good. Yeah. And to some degree, I think Bill Gates has like done it right. He's gone, well, I'm going to live in this massive house as we've talked about before. Massive, massive house, have all these billions. And then when I die, I'll just give it away. And I'm, I'm reckoning that whatever is going on, the universe is going to be like, man, you don't get to do that. You don't just get to go, I've had it all and now I'm giving it all away because you didn't sacrifice anything. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, I don't is, know. Yeah. Maybe it comes down from an embedded Christian perspective because I've brought up not by my parents. I think it comes down not to not into being, it at all. But I mean, more yeah. that kind of white Christian perspective. Maybe you're just. Maybe you're just. You you've sussed it, and you're like, you are an alien, and you uh, are. You're well. sat here, and you're like, you've, you just. You know, I don't know. There's something. There is something about you, though, Emma, that is different to a lot of people. I know, but that's because I mean, you can't see past. I can that. see. I can see past. You my can't. Own. Yeah. Like this morning, I woke up. Like I had an extra hour in bed because I had a terrible hangover from yesterday, and. You just went and got my tablets, gave me my drink, and, and then I put a pillow over my head and you left me for an hour where I was okay after I woke up. And then I came downstairs and I got my mirror out because I do my makeup downstairs in this sad kitchen that we're presenting this from. And I looked in the mirror and I literally, you know, in American films where occasionally they'll have like some woman pushing trolleys full of crap. Oh, yeah. Basically, the homeless lady. tins and that. That was me. I had this wide-eyed look and all my hair was everywhere. No makeup on. And I looked terrifying. And you just like walked past. I'm sure 
this is playing into my thing of what I'm saying about this whole world. I think like in your decision-making process, when you took this kind of game and you were like, right off, I go and be human for a while. It's been, you were like allowed this like checklist yeah. and you've got like the person you end up spending your life with, the one who actually stays with you and works. You only ever see them as if they're walking around with a light in front of their face <laughs> with full makeup on. Don't forget, beautiful. I am living in a Disney film. Honestly, yeah. I have no idea how you Which works for me because now they're now on Star Wars. So technically I'm living in a Star Wars film. If there is one thing that you guys can take away from our regular podcast, it's that I am very much in love with my husband and my husband is very much in love with me. And he sees the best in me. And I don't really see the best in him. It's usually quite an average, <laughs> an average kind of gauge on it. Yeah. But nonetheless, yeah. we are very lucky. Yeah. This isn't this isn't one of those like Sonny and Cher. At the end of this, we don't ignore each other for a week and then just come back together. And by the way, I'm going to ask this question because I know before the end of it, this is going to be a negative. But nonetheless, don't think I've forgotten, guys. And I will be coming back to you with this next week. But what's your urban myth? No, didn't do it again. Oh, I now know. have seven urban myths that I can right, talk so about. Right, so I've got an urban myth, right? No, no. Right? We're not going to do this. It's called the bone monster, no, right? you're not making up an urban myth. <laughs> right, and it's no. all... <laughs> I know. I no. I, yeah. You will bring, you will give our listeners... I will. ...the duty they deserve. It'll be a good one. It'll be one from like... You know, a real gritty one. One that's real. You're not having any of mine. I'm going to have to tell you which ones I've got because I've got seven now. Oh, okay. We'll have to put a little list together. What I'll do is I'll pick my top three. Right. And you can... What, now? No. We're near the end, aren't we now? So we can't do it. Yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, it's... Don't worry. You've got away with it. But the po- Why what? Wait a minute. Let me just say, did you think that what I was saying about seven, I picked three and you were like, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Like, I run off, describe them all quickly, come back. No, this is real. Urban this happens myths. in real time. Okay. So urban myths next week. We probably won't do the whole of them because that would take the entire stuff. And I'm sure that you've got better things to do than listen to things about children's fear. But nonetheless, mm. hope you've enjoyed making sense of it. Yes. We're off to go and view a house now. Yeah. I know, yeah. Yeah. We We're going to try and buy my niece a house because it's really hard for children to get on the property ladder and she's starting work soon as a psychologist. Yes. Get that. Yes. I just want to say, though, you know, when you're growing up, the last thing my sister would have ever imagined was my niece deciding that she wanted to do things like me. But there you go. Oh, yeah. Absolutely she fantastic. going to be a yeah. psychologist. And may I add, look at my shirt. Yeah, what you that? Devil's Advocate. Not that they sponsor us either, but if oh. Devil's Advocate would like to get in touch with us and sponsor us, yeah. then we're all I'll there I'll wear for your it. clothes if you want me to. <laughs> all right, guys, listen, speak next week. And by the way, we love your comments. We really do. Yes. You are making us feel like the jabbering on of two middle-aged individuals with very, very low interesting lives are actually doing something that at least doesn't annoy you and should I say maybe even entertains you I like the fact that most of you think you could be down the pub with us if only it were the 1990s and pubs were still open in our locality but these days they're all bloody bistros and flats but nonetheless every kind word is met with deep gratitude and we cannot thank you enough and hopefully this is something you're going to continue because without you it genuinely actually is just me and Pete sat recording ourselves in a kitchen that disturbs (laughs) us to imagine that would be the case so join us next week Um, get in touch with us we love your comments as I said and um, thanks for joining us you are wonderful human beings and we adore you take Take care take it easy